leads us to this time of worship so that we may know his presence and to share the word as we gather at table in remembrance of him. It is a joy to be with you this morning and grateful for your sharing your worship at First Church this morning, especially those guests who may be with us. You all bless us with our presence and we pray this is a blessed time for us all as we worship God together. Uh, we are just mindful of opportunities as they are before us in this time of worship. A reminder that Vacation Bible School quickly approaches and the opportunity still to support that ministry. Uh, the ministry of the food bank, the opportunity to support that by way of our contributions. And a reminder that on the third Saturday of the month is when we share in the ministry of the food bank and close closet. Also grateful to uh, recall that this past weekend there was the ministry of Small Hands Big Mission that took place from Friday to Saturday in the Uptown Ministry Center. Grateful Megan's leadership, for all the volunteers who helped with that, for the children who are part of that, and their parents as well. And uh, next week, I know Megan will share uh, some recap of that ministry. And again, thank you for your prayers and support of that. We remember that we're sharing in the Gospel of Mark throughout this year. And so before us in our bulletin cover this morning is scripture uh, from Mark chapter 5, as Jesus shares the mystery of healing, some powerful stories there grateful to anticipate sharing in that word and gathering at table with you. Grateful as well. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. And uh, thank you, uh, Matthew. I invite us to prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. Let us stand as we share in this call. With friends and strangers, with family and neighbors, we gather. With faith reaching out to touch, with hearts straining to trust, we hope. With word and wonder, with silence and song, we wait. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, number 340.
may be seated. We will be making reference to our bulletins more than usual this morning, and I invite us to do so with the opening prayer as it is before us. Let us pray. Loving God, we are yours. We come as we are with our cares and concerns. We long to touch you and find healing in your embrace, strengthen our faith and heal our brokenness. We worship you with joy. We're going to proclaim the word of God first from Psalm 130. It is the Psalter as found in the back of our hymnals, number 848. First, we pray. Lord, open our ears, our hearts, so that we may receive fully your word. May we be grateful and may we be those who shape our lives according to the saving and life-giving word you speak now and always. Amen. We will share responsibly in this psalm, meaning we will share the sung response, which begins and concludes this psalm, and I will invite you to share the bold print as you find that in your bulletins, and uh, the choir will lead us first. I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness for you, that you may be worshipped. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and the Lord's word I hope. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, with the Lord is plenteous redemption. This is the word of our Lord. As July 4th approaches this week, we do give thanks to God for the blessings we know as this nation. So it is right that we go to God in prayer, and I invite us to do so with the prayer for Independence Day as it is before us. Let us pray. Almighty God, 
you rule all the peoples of the earth. Inspire the minds of all women and men to whom you have committed the responsibility of government and leadership in the nations of the world. Give to them the vision of truth and justice that by their counsel all nations and peoples may work together. Give to the people of our country zeal for justice and strength of forbearance that we may use our liberty in accordance with your gracious will. Forgive our shortcomings as a nation. Purify our hearts to see and love the truth. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ. Amen. And we stand as we sing, this is my song, number 437.
may be seated. From the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, let us hear the word of our Lord. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked, for she was twelve years old. And immediately they were overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of our Lord. Well, we know that we've spent a great deal of time with the Gospel of Mark this year. As we recall this time within Mark's witness to Jesus, we may recall that Mark, the shortest of the Gospels, is a Gospel carrying us with great urgency, great energy, through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. In fact, I invite you to read through the Gospel, and as you do so, take note of how many times Mark uses the word immediately. It's even in today's text, immediately. It is as if Mark is in a great hurry to share the good news of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Well, that may make our scripture this morning a a little bit surprising, because the scripture before us this morning appears 
very unhurried. It is a somewhat lengthy passage. It is lengthy enough, we notice, to share with us not one, but two accounts of healing. The first account, an account interrupted, we notice, is an account in which Jairus, a father, a prominent man of faith, a leader in the synagogue, approaches Jesus with the most poignant of requests. My daughter is at the point of death, he says, if, if you could just lay your hands upon her and heal her. Was Jesus honors the request of this devoted father and walks with him toward his home so as to heal his daughter, a woman who is within the large crowd following Jesus manages simply to touch the clothing of Jesus. This woman, we are told, has been seriously ill and has been ill a long time, 12 years. And within these 12 years, she has seen all manner of physicians. She has spent everything she has in order to be made well, yet she has only gotten worse. Now, having simply touched the garment of Jesus, she is healed. Well, while this is obviously good news for this woman, it appears not to be good news for Jairus, the father who wants his daughter healed. Because as Jesus speaks with the woman now made well, the news arrives that the daughter of this prominent man of faith, she's died. And Jairus is told not to bother Jesus anymore. It'll do no good. <clears throat> Yet Jesus, calling for faith and to not fear, proceeds to the man's house anyway. Arriving at the house, Jesus dismisses all of those who are laughing and doubting, and he grabs the hand of the little girl, tells her to get up. And she gets up, lives again, she is well, and all are rightly amazed. Well, as you and I may well be amazed, and with good reason, for before us are these two powerful, impressive, inspiring accounts of healing. A woman suffering serious illness for 12 years is going to awaken tomorrow morning free of all her illness. And a young girl who had died leaving her father heartbroken lives again and her father grieves no more. How can we not be amazed at witness such as this? Well, I hope that along with the wonder we offer as response to these stories of Jesus giving new life, that you and I also notice that central to these stories of healing and new life is the gesture of touch. This long-suffering woman touches Jesus, and born of that touch, she is made well. Jesus touches the hand of a young girl, and by his touch, she lives again. In fact, it may appear that within these stories, without the touching of one hand to another, there is no healing. Now, while we may receive this witness with gratitude and joy, we also may be a little troubled by this witness and may be somewhat hesitant as to how we are to respond to this witness. I say this because you and I know very well we tend to be mindful of our personal space, don't we? 
you're in my space. We tend to our boundaries. We may not even be real crazy about the passing of the peace. The hand sanitizer is never too far away, is it? So even this witness of Scripture, witness in which we may do well to wonder is there healing without the touch of Jesus, it's a witness that may offend us slightly. May even wonder as we reflect upon these stories, well, really, is that gesture of touch such a big deal? As I reflect upon that question, I remember from a previous church, a good man named Mike. Mike was a graduate of VMI. He served in the military and worked for the government. And Mike's garage was a great place of hospitality. Following church softball games, we'd take ourselves over to Mike's garage and just talk about the game and be grateful. Well, Mike served the church in various leadership capacities and demonstrated gifts of patience and listening rivaled by few. Committed and loyal to the church, when it was decided the church would establish a new service of worship, Mike, to the surprise of no one, gave every effort he could to help this new service of worship succeed. This meant that even when this service struggled to stay alive, as it often did in its early days, Mike was there doing all he could to keep it going. This meant that on those occasions when I and not the associate pastor led this service of worship, I would often feel during the prayers of the people Mike's hand in affirmation and blessing placed upon my shoulder. And I knew then, and I remember still, there is something healing in that touch. During the summer between my first and second years of seminary, I served as a hospital chaplain at Richmond Memorial Hospital, and I did so along with a handful of other seminary students, including a friend from Spartanburg, South Carolina, named Larry. I remember the evening Larry and I were both on duty at the hospital. Though on duty at different places within the hospital, we each knew that when an emergency call occurred, each of us was to respond to the call. Well, at some point in the evening, my pager informed me of a family crisis. Larry, also on duty, had received the same call. And I immediately responded to this call, going to where I was directed, as did Larry. However, I arrived first to where a family in distress had requested pastoral care. So I was attending to this family, and Larry opened a stairwell door, prepared also to tend to the family. Seeing I had arrived first and I was caring for the family, Larry paused, slowed his hurried pace. We glanced at each other, acknowledged each other, did not speak, did not need to speak. Instead, it was more than enough for Larry to walk past. And as he did so to offer blessing and affirmation for the ministry I was offering, blessing and affirmation I received as Larry placed his hand upon my shoulder. And I knew again at that time there's something healing in that touch. 
Though we're supposed to be so discreet and tactful so as to say that we don't have our favorite relatives, we all have our favorite relatives, don't we? In fact, I'm sure we are the favorite relative to everyone else in our families. For me, a, a favorite uncle, if not my favorite, was Uncle Franklin. In fact, so much was he a favorite. And such reverence I hold for this late uncle. I feel I should pause in silent respect at the mention of his name. Franklin was a leader in his church, the Mennonite Church, and though his adherence to his faith meant there was no television in his home, which is really not a bad idea for any of us, to be honest, Franklin nevertheless was very well informed about national and international affairs. He was a wonderful husband, a tremendous father to his two daughters, but most impressive to me was the fact that it appeared that Franklin's faith in Christ informed everything he did. His commitment to his church, the way he cared for his wife, the way he raised his daughters, the manner in which he tended to his farm, and cared for his sheep. So you understand why I remember a particular family gathering. It was a family reunion, and it was nearing its conclusion. Family members were gathering their dishes, and chairs were being put away, tables taken down. As family members shared hugs and handshakes as they headed to their cars in the gathering darkness, I turned to see Uncle Franklin standing there before me. I was in my young 20s, I was still in school, studying so as to serve as a Christian pastor. And Uncle Franklin, as Christian as a man could possibly be, knew this. Franklin was also aware of how I had not been raised in the happiest or healthiest of homes with an unfaithful and different father. So as I ready myself to leave this gathering, I'm somewhat surprised to see Franklin standing before me. And it's then that Franklin, aware of my family history and aware I'm responding to God's call to serve as a pastor, reached forth his hand to shake my hand. And as this devote devout and committed follower of Christ shakes my hand, he smiles, says to me, I'm proud of you. I knew again the touch of a good man of faith has the power to heal, to make new. Well, there is this healing in the touch of Jesus, isn't there? Life found within this touch of Jesus, that's the witness of our scripture and it's a witness we remember, remembering that God brings life to us by molding us with his own hands from the clay of the earth and by breathing his life into us. And remember, it's, it's Jesus who calls doubting Thomas and calls you and me as well to see and to touch the wounds of the crucifixion. We remember the word became flesh, dwelt among us healed the lame, made the blind to see, sat and ate with sinners. We remember. The night before Jesus gives himself for us, he says, this is my body, 
This is my blood given for you, shed for you. Can a God get any closer to us than this? Do we not find ourselves healed as we touch such a God as this? Take and eat and drink the body and blood of Christ and taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Our affirmation of faith is found on page 7 in the front of our hymnals. It is the Apostles' Creed. I'll invite us to stand as we respond to the word by affirming our faith. Let us respond. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> We go to God as we pray, sharing in the prayers of the people. It is a responsive time in prayer in which I will speak various requests and conclude each of these with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you to, to name those persons or concerns or circumstances you would like to offer to God as we pray together. We go to God as we pray. Lord, we thank you that you touch us still. We thank you that now and always you are a God of healing. And help us to hear your words again as you speak to us. Do not fear, only believe. As you give yourself to us again at this table, we pray that we would open our hands and open our hearts to receive that our desire for you this moment would be a desire that you meet and satisfy. Lord, stir within us this desire for you always and be the God who satisfies all our hunger. For your word proclaimed, for faith confessed, for at this table at which you have set a place for each of us, we give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy, 
And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. elected officials, emergency workers, for those most affected by the apartment fires in Piedmont community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And hear our prayers joined with those of your saints who surround us still and gather at table with us. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. We do so with a prayer of confession as it is before us in our bulletins, and we share responsibly in this prayer and receive the good news of our forgiveness. Heavenly Father, when we resist your call to open our hearts to your grace to enter, When we close our eyes to your new and unexpected possibilities of healing and reconciliation. When we let fear overwhelm us and cling to the security of what we know instead of risking new steps toward your freedom and justice. And hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners that proves God's love toward us in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. I invite us to welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. Get the hand sanitizer. <clears throat> hmm.
good to see you, Terry. Peace be with you. Good morning. All right. Great. <laughs> I love it. He had a good weekend. I saw some pictures. That's great. Great. Barb? As we find our places, we will invite our ushers to come forward. We tell uh, tell Dave to sit down. We prepare to worship God as we receive his tithes and our offerings as our ushers come forward. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for our daily bread, but you give us an abundance of all things, withholding not even your own Son. For this we give you thanks and pray that these gifts returned unto you would accomplish great things in your care for the gospel of Christ our Lord. Amen.
we remember that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So we remember and obey, and we find our place set for us at the table. Uh, I will invite you to follow along, uh, beginning with page 9 in the front of our hymnals. Again, there are three responses that we are invited to offer as part of the great thanksgiving. Uh, Though we do not have the PowerPoint before us, we will still share in these responses uh, as a sung response. Uh, In each time as we come to those responses, we will be led by our choir each of those times. The Lord be with you. you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. So we proclaim, as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and to deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord to which each of you is invited there will be two stations here, and our ushers will direct you down the center aisle. You will receive a portion of the bread as it is offered to you from uh, one of the other stations. You're invited to dip that into the cup that will be held. If you feel so led for prayer, you're invited to kneel here at the communion rail for prayer before returning by the side aisles. A reminder that this being Communion Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, our mission boxes are here before us. So I invite you to support the ministries, the missions of this church, by way of the mission boxes as well as you come forward. Come to the table of our Lord. Our choir will come first.
At the bottom of page 11, in bold print, we find the prayer with which we conclude the great thanksgiving. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We stand as we sing, Lord, whose love through humble service, number 581.
Here we have known a God who gets as close to us as he possibly can. And we go from this place assured that this God goes with us. And we go in peace. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.